Welcome to this week's Hotel Analyst podcast, where we'll deliver for you over the next 20 minutes or so our thoughts on three topics of the moment in the hotel investment space. My name is Chris Bowne, the editor of Hotel Analyst, and I'm joined by Andrew Sangster, the editorial director of Hotel Analyst. And we're starting this week with a look at apart hotels and the service department sector, where um, we all know that the, uh, the, the this particular niche has had a very good pandemic relative to some of the other businesses, uh, particularly they performed outperformed hotels um, as they were able to continue trading uh, through the pandemic uh, by and large. Um, and now the those who've done well, relatively well through the pandemic, are looking to capitalise on that by uh, expanding fast into the market. And perhaps one of those leading that is uh, Eden, um, the company who's backed by Brookfield, um, who's just announced that they've uh, agreed a, r- a loan facility of around about £195 million, which is going to help them accelerate their growth. Um, and they've just acquired a hotel in The Hague in Netherlands for conversion to their new Cove brand. They're not the only ones at it. Um, in London, there was a recent deal uh, in the, the city of London where um, Gem Hotels, which is backed by the guys who were behind Grange, have acquired uh, a, a, a courtyard of 92 apartments. Um, they paid a very chunky £70 million for that. And apparently there was a, a good list of, of people interested in bidding for that particular asset. And of course, um, we've also got uh, Stay City, who uh, managed to do a refinancing earlier this year and are, are poised to carry on with their very aggressive opening schedule, um, which will see them uh, put thousands more rooms in and around uh, Europe under their brand over the coming months. So um, all set fair and uh, interesting, Andrew, that um, the that Eden have gone to Blackstone and KSL as their preferred lenders. Yeah, I I, th- I think that the, the challenge remains. I think in the lending market at the moment that the normal uh, high street banks are claiming to be open, um, but effectively they're closed for for new lending, um, and they need. Uh, I mean, from from Brookfield's perspective, they need access to debt, which is going to be on the same wavelength as them in terms of what the business plan is and what the way forward is, um, and the, the obvious need to move quickly at times. Um, and th- those Blackstone and uh, KSL are obvious partners for that, and they've got debt funds. It comes out of a different fund to the the money that's deployed by Blackstone and uh, KSL for more opportunistic um, ventures. So um, it, it it's a sort of happy marriage in that regard. Um, looking more widely at this, it highlighted to me how and um, we should be looking at uh, the service department sector or at least trying to understand whether it's more residential or whether it's more hotel I mean certainly most of the properties certainly the newer ones are tending to be licensed as hotels but they trade in medium and long lets on the whole um or they certainly have a balance a you know the short term the short let the one two three night lets are uh a minority of their offer um of the of their business um so they're very much in that sort of mid mid let sort of 
segment which moves them a lot closer to residential and certainly their their pandemic performance um, was much more like residential in that they carried on getting rents not as good as residential residential was very robust um, uh, compared to hotels um, you know they service departments knocked it out of the park really in that they are actually cash flow positive um, in most cases throughout throughout these you know the most extreme most challenging trading environment the the, the short-term accommodation sectors ever seen so that puts them in, in a very strong position and it raises this question of you know should they be seen as a subsector of hotels or should they be seen as a subsector specialist subsector of residential because at the moment it's more that they're seen as a subsector of hotels and their yields reflect the fact that it's a smaller grow, uh, niche than hotels and therefore slightly higher yields. But if they can do the switcheroo into becoming a subsector of residential, sure, they'll be higher yields than average in, in residential. But given how low residential yields are, they can certainly live with that. And that will put them below hotels, which would be a very interesting thing if, say, Brookfield can achieve this with Eden to switch it from, you know, having bought at a higher, slightly higher than hotel yield and then sell at a only just above residential yield. Um, they can going to be very happy indeed um so there was a, a savills report uh, came out this week looked at uh, prime multi-family yields across europe and they were around the three and a half percent mark in most markets and they'd gone down by 59 bips over the past five years um it's clearly if you know they can tap into that sort of yield outlook that's uh, fantastic news now, what's a hotel worth? Well, um, if you're trying to sell it, it's worth whatever anyone's prepared to, to pay you for it. Um, and we've seen some uh, uh, stronger than expected uh, values uh, over the last few months, particularly uh, those properties that have been sold in uh, staycation hotspots. Uh, but uh, the more arcane issue is around valuing hotels uh, that are subject to leases and um, uh, what's the lease? What's the lease worth? Uh, what are the uh, what's the liabilities on the lease? And all that sort of thing. Um, and of course, this is important for every hotel company and landlord that are, are their annual accounts. Uh, you know, if you're not sold it, then what's it worth? Uh, it's, it's a figure has to be put in the books. Um, and the, the big issue of the last. 18 months with the pandemic has been uh, we've had a shock into the market in terms of um, deal volume has dropped substantially um, and of course the the returns uh, which would normally be measured as being up or down by a few percentage points a year um, have of course been yo-yoing with uh, mandated closures and and the return of the market and all that sort of thing so um, we've been having a conversation with uh, some of the people in the valuation business uh, across the hotel space um, and looking at some of the complications they face as they kind of try to work out what things are worth um, of course the big least uh, portfolios in the UK are um, Travel Lodge, um, which is uh, the largest, and um, uh, and, uh, and then followed probably by Premier Inn, who have a, a good percentage of their properties uh, leased. Um, and these are providing challenges uh, for the valuers, not least because no one's bought or sold a Travel Lodge since their CVA uh, was agreed last year. Yes, the the the. 
trying to work out what a hotel is worth right now is a very tricky uh, guess um, and uh, I think the old-fashioned answer it's worth what you pay what people are prepared to pay for it is the only realistic uh, way things can be valued um, the traditional sort of discount you know DCF valuation discounted cash flow valuation methods well given that so many hotels have been shut for for much of 2020 and and uh, the early part of this year well forget it it just doesn't make any sense um do you value it on the historic 2019 trading figures where do you go it's it's a toughie um and well and also the the, the the counter argument is that this year a good number of them particularly around the kind of staycation destinations are actually going to over trade and uh, so if you use those numbers they may not be repeated again year and absolutely you've got all sorts of weird stuff in there um you know what do you do with all the debt and rent that's owed um in terms of the value as well um how much impairment has there been in terms of the 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 the, the, the lack of investment in in the asset over this period um you've you've got a, a number of very difficult decisions to make um and you know open market is going to be the best way to test that I mean, it's intriguing just going perhaps back in terms of the appetite for service departments um the cubic london city which was a property that fell into problems because of its uh, um capital structure um that went um to a, a very strong bidding round um, um i think you reported that uh, um, Christie's, the agent Chris, that they, they they were flooded with inquiries. I think what's uh, Christie mm. said they had seventy five um, and signed NDAs back, and they had to hold two rounds of bids to to get the final deal that saw uh, the REIT Great Portland Estates buy it and stick RBH in as the operator, who have um, rebranded it under a new brand for them. So uh, it, it's you know you've got appetite out there for stuff which would suggest that you know you do a straight dcf on 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 what's happening right now and it's going to just be ridiculous it's not going to work um you've also got if you do conventional um valuation analysis on some assets um you can even reach negative um, numbers, particularly um, where you've got uh, a, a case of over renting um which um, there, there were some numbers we got hold of um, about the GLH portfolio in London. Um, this was uh, available on the uh, Singapore Stock Exchange um, for the parent company GL Limited, and that showed that a couple of the big assets, Hard Rock Hotel, had a minus thirty-one million pound valuation. The Thistle City Barbican had a minus thirty-three point six million valuation. I mean, incredible, really. Um, that Ouch. plum assets in central London. Yeah. like this yeah quite um, um, end up with those sort of numbers um, but you know what what's the outcome going to be now you know um, GL has been taken private um, been taken off its listing by um, the parent company Guaco who already had 70% of the company um, and you know Guaco clearly has the means to ride out this storm and, and, and sort the thing out if it so chooses how much pressure it's going to put on, on the landlords here remains to be seen I mean it lost uh, what 20 million US it said in, in its reports um, for the year to the end of December and it lost uh, 20 27 million US um, for the six months earlier than that. Um, 
so you're you're seeing big big numbers um um in terms of losses hit there directly because of the 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 you know the lack of trading and and a very real extent um perhaps over renting as well on one or two of the properties so it, it's tough you know to see how you can stick a an appropriate number for what those properties are worth i'm you know i'm glad i'm not a hotel valuer at the moment tough times for them um but uh, yeah we've been talking about well a hotel's worth what someone will pay you for it well um we had have been having a, a bit of a look at the uh, deals landscape and it does seem that uh deal volumes are picking up and investors are quite happy to keep piling back into hotels um a re recent sentiment survey came out from uh, Cushman and Wakefield where they revealed that uh, the good majority of the investors, the serious major investors they spoke to are absolutely up for investing more in the hotel sector. Um, they see it as a very good place to be. Um, and is, um, uh, are, are these are these potential buyers just going to be bidding against one another for, for plum assets or are there going to be kind of a little bit more volume coming onto the market as distress works its way through the system and um, I think uh, Andrew you may have seen at, uh, at Berlin uh, a presentation from Christie's where they looked at uh, what scenarios might play out and how things might look in the months ahead as the various uh, little kind of benefits that uh, businesses have had like uh, VAT easing and uh, business rates holidays and those kind of things come come to an end and the uh, the harsh reality of uh, business in the in the kind of normal world again it becomes clear yeah um I, I, again it comes back to uh, um you know what is open market valuations what what are people prepared to pay for properties um and the sheer weight of money waiting to deploy here um is is holding up values um it was interesting that christie presentation um you mentioned um there chris um they have an expectation that maybe there'll be a little bit of distress pricing coming in at the early part of next year but they're not anticipating much um because of this this volume of cash that's out there um, I, I try to dig out some data on this um, Prekin who who do at PREQIN they, they do a uh, they, they look at uh, private equity uh, across the, the piece not just real estate but on the real estate um, piece um, Europe focused real estate funds closed um, in 2020 raising 40 billion euros in 2019 they closed raising 41 billion euros there's unprecedented levels of capital waiting to deploy um, the amount of dry powder so-called you know the as it's so-called the, the amount of cash not yet spent uh, stands at uh, about us 30 billion um um, in terms of uh, opportunistic funds and something like 17 billion for value-add funds um, it's huge amounts of money waiting to go to go out there and um, what what this means is that uh, there is pressure um, to move up the risk curve and um, that what's noted by um, Brecken um, in terms of their their data in terms of their um, how uh, managers private equity managers will be looking at the deployment of funds 
um, they think retail and hotel assets will really come back on the radar um, towards the end of this year and early next year and I think that concurs with everything we're hearing as specialists in, in the hotel sector as we chat and the, the, the level of appetite we're seeing out there in the marketplace right now um, from for what I see I've never seen as much cash waiting to deploy I've never seen so many serious institutional investors um, excited about the sector uh, it's very difficult to see much repricing happening and I think anybody expecting bargains is going to get disappointed we've made this point repeatedly but uh, um, it has to be made again in the case of uh, uh, I mean um, for what we're talking about here um, I think the one cloud that is on the horizon for investors um, lies around inflation and then interest rates we really just don't know where we are with that um, we had a little bit of a spook um, we're recording this on uh, Wednesday um, and uh, there was um, some inflation numbers came out in the UK and CPIH which is consumer prices including housing costs hit 3.0% which is the highest it's been since 2012 um, but you know note it was 2012 that was still in the recovery phase of the uh, GFC period and in fact uh, the, the highest interest rates went up in that re recovery period was 4.5 percent which they hit in September 2011 so we have a little way to go before we even get back to that high and the previous high for CPIH was uh, back in 1990 when it hit 9.2% 9 the data for CPIH which is a sort of a more sophisticated version of the old retail prices index only goes back to 89 but but obviously we're a long way away from that kind of 9% um, and I, I for, for me I think it's going to have to be several months at or approaching those four five percent levels of inflation before we're going to see central banks begin to take action begin to tighten the monetary screws and start looking at um, raising interest rates um, I think that and they seem prepared to live with higher levels inflation um, more so than they ever have um, in the recent times so I suspect it's going to be you know a long while before we start seeing so months if not years so two plus years out i suspect before we start seeing any significant uh, um interest rate moves of course you know who knows if, if inflation just suddenly sets in and sets in and starts heading back up in towards that double digit um end of the market was at the end of the uh, uh 1980s then you know sure we will see much quicker movements on interest rates but uh, fortunately chris um you know I, I'm I'm not having to I've got nothing much riding on whether I'm right or wrong on these <laughs> these these things so um, but people who have got their investments riding on it you know it, it's it's a nervy old time I suspect uh, five star and no star water this week um, and so uh, well five stars is going this week to the confidence in hotels as an investment we've just already been talking about it but um, a couple of examples the one you mentioned Andrew uh, Great Portland Estates buying their first hotel in London. This is a, a an investment uh, organisation that's got a portfolio of London retail and London offices. And um, in comparison to what they're already holding, a hotel in London looks a very attractive proposition. Uh, and then the other big deal, uh, of course, was um, Four Seasons, where uh, 
Cascade, which is uh, Bill Gates's investment vehicle, has bought a big stake uh, off one of the other co-investors in Four Seasons, and um, the price that's been agreed at uh, has established the substantial value uh, of the Four Seasons uh, brand. And no stars this week go to Britannia Hotels. Ah, Britannia, yes, a British brand famous for uh, being always always coming top in the customer dissatisfaction scores um, <laughs> during a annual hotel surveys. Well, uh, one of the things Britannia likes to do is they like to try and do deals with the UK government to fill their hotels up, and they would, they've been trying to put together a deal with the Home Office to house asylum seekers at their hotel in Blackpool. Um, now, that's really upset the local authority there who claim that's a change of use. Uh, they're particularly annoyed because uh, the, the local services that are going to be needed to support the asylum seekers are just not there to the extent that they need to be they say so they are going to call on Britannia to um, apply for change of use should they wish to proceed with this proposal so well done Britannia more headlines and not good ones and on that happy note we'll say goodbye for now <laughs>